0: G'day there and welcome to the Anglican Dolby Podcast. My name is David, and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. As we've had to live stream all our services at the moment uh, because of COVID 19 restrictions, our sermons have been getting shorter because of the medium that we're using. But What I'm going to be doing in our podcast is I'm going to be delivering a longer, more robust sermon because I honestly believe that in order for us to get the most out of the Bible, we need to take our time and really figure out how um, God is communicating to us through his word. So today's sermon will be longer than the live stream version. You're very welcome to watch that on YouTube or Facebook or I encourage you to keep listening if you'd like to get more out of the passage that we're looking at this morning, which is Acts chapter 2, verse 14, and then verses 22 to 32, which say this. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd Fellow Jews, and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you, listen carefully to what I say. Then he said, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did along you, along you among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay, for you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence." Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we're kicking off a new series called Take Back Sunday. The title was inspired by the punk band Taking Back Sunday. And while I really recommend their music, this is where the relationship ends. The series is about ecclesiology, which is a big fancy word that theologians use when they want to talk about the church. This year has been a big year for the worldwide church. I was speaking to a friend the other day whose father is a priest in England, and she was saying that his church was unable to meet in the in their building at Easter for the first time in around 900 years. But this wasn't because there wasn't enough people or because they'd run out of money. The members of this church, like you listening today, stayed at home in order to love their neighbours and stop the spread of sickness and infection. And this church still met. They prayed together, sang together, read the Bible together and worshipped their risen king together. Just they did so in a format and on platforms they'd never been on before. This is why it's so wonderful that guided by God's spirit, our church leadership sat down and planned a sermon series in the book of Acts at the beginning of the year. We didn't plan for coronavirus, but God knew And so over the next seven weeks, leading up to Pentecost, we're going to be thinking and praying about what church is exactly. Is this thing called church a building, an institution, a social network, a time period on a Sunday, or is there more to it than that? I'm going to be upfront with you now and let you know that the sermon series will also touch on money. Money is an issue for everyone at the moment, with many of us out of work and the financial landscape changing for everyone. But if we're going to be thinking and praying about God's church, we need to be honest and transparent about money. Also, Acts, like many other parts of the Bible, talks about money and shows how money is a tool we can use to glorify God and bless those around us. So let's get struck into our passage. The passage today is an absolute ripper. We read in Acts 2.14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Whoa, 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 you might be thinking. Peter, the guy who abandoned Jesus in his hour of need, the chicken who denied Jesus three times as the rooster crowed on the morning of Jesus' death, that Peter, yes, that same Peter is now standing in front of a hostile crowd of the many people who killed Jesus a month before, many of whom killed Jesus a month before. And he preaches boldly about the resurrection. To fill in the story for you a bit, the book of Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke, we hear about Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And in Acts, we find out what happened next. In Acts 1, Jesus appears to the disciples alive and tells them he is returning to his rightful place in heaven with God the Father. This seems like bad news, but it's actually good news because Jesus will send a helper who will help his disciples take the story of their Savior from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Dolby. And so, after Jesus ascends to heaven, the disciples wait in hiding, just as Jesus told them. In this time of isolation, the disciples break bread, pray together, and process what Jesus' resurrection means to them. They're not idle. But they wait until the day comes. Fifty days after Passover, the spring festival of Pentecost hits Jerusalem. The temple is packed with pilgrims from all over the world and Jesus' disciples huddle, waiting for God to act. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit rushes upon the disciples and they begin to speak in languages they've never learned but which the people around them can speak. This gets the attention of the crowds in the temple and Peter sees that God's time has come. He chickened out last time in front of a little servant girl, but this time is different. Peter has seen the risen Jesus. He's broken bread with him. Jesus has even forgiven and reinstated Peter. You can read about that in John 21. And now Peter, not relying on his own strength, but on the strength of the Holy Spirit, fills his lungs and says in verse 22, Peter hasn't planned his speech. He's got no notes or books like I have today. He speaks straight from the heart and witnesses to what he knows. He talks about Jesus' life, miracles and signs. Stories people in the temple would have gossiped about in private. He reminds them of the wickedness of Jesus' betrayal and execution. And he accuses the crowds of killing Jesus. And finally, he witnesses to the awesome reality that God raised Jesus from the dead because it's impossible for death to hold the author of life. Friends, this may not look like it, but Peter is fulfilling one of the most important functions of the church. He is responding to God's call to live in the light of the resurrection. He's witnessing to himself and to the world that Jesus is alive We may think church is about singing, sermons or community services, but here in the impromptu sermon Peter delivers, he's witnessing to himself and to those around him the difference Jesus makes in one's life. One of the primary functions of the church is to witness to the life, death and resurrection of Jesus to make him known. If gospel proclamation isn't at the heart of a church, it stops being a church and starts being a social club a group therapy class, or a historical reenactment society. These things aren't bad in themselves, but they're not church. When we come together as church, we remind ourselves that we are the body of Christ. We're reminding ourselves that Jesus is the most important reality in our lives, and we're ready to give our time, our money, and our energy to witness to this reality. When we gather as church, whether virtually or in person, we're attesting to one another the power of the resurrection of Jesus. There are thousands of different things you could be listening to on the internet right now. There is plenty you could be doing around the house. On Sundays when we meet, the options for how you use your time are legion. But when the church gathers like we are right now, we are witnessing each other proclaim And witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. We're reminding one another that Jesus is the most important reality in our lives. And we're ready to give our time, our money and our energy to witness to this reality. I've been amazed by how bold members of our church family are at the moment. People are inviting friends who would never come along to church to watch our online content. They're inviting family to join Bible studies and Zoom meetings. People from my church are setting up Facebook pages and phone trees to make sure people don't get forgotten and go without while on lockdown. In verse 32, Peter knows he might get arrested or killed for what he's saying, but he doesn't care anymore. He says, God has raised Jesus to life and we are witnesses of this. The we here is the other 11 disciples who are with him. They're standing alone in a hostile crowd, babbling in foreign tongues and making a spectacle of themselves. But they don't care because Jesus is alive. When the church gathers on Sunday, we witness to ourselves and to one another that Jesus' resurrection day is our resurrection day. We remind ourselves because our wayward hearts are so drawn to selfishness and introspection that, Jesus, that we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is alive and that sin and death have been defeated. And so we have a job to do. This is the significance of taking back Sunday. In many ways, Sunday has been claimed by sport, by shopping, by birthday parties, and many of the other things we're not supposed to do at the moment. When we take back Sunday or any day of the week to witness to ourselves as a church community, we prepare ourselves for our witness to the world on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and for the rest of the week. Peter changes tack in verse 25, quoting the book of Psalms, where King David writes, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. This is a statement of national importance. Peter here is saying that 1,000 years before Jesus, King David prophesied that God wouldn't allow Jesus' body to see decay. Sure, Jesus died, but God never abandoned Jesus to the realm of the dead, and his body didn't have time to see decay because he rose three days later. Look at verse 29, where Peter says, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. This is true, the tomb of David is still in Jerusalem to this day and you can go and see it, but you can't see Jesus' tomb because Jesus' tomb is empty. It's here that Peter picks up on a promise and a hope that his listeners in the temple would have shared that day. It was that God would send a king who would rule on David's throne forever. This Messiah would bring about God's rule and reign and would gather the people of God to himself in a new and everlasting kingdom. Many Jews still today are hoping that one day the Messiah will come. But Peter says he is here. That's the Christian claim. Jesus is the promised king who David was talking about. And his resurrection is proof of this. And where is Jesus' kingdom if he's the king who would usher in God's rule and reign? Well, you're looking at it right now. The kingdom of God is the church. When you become a follower of Jesus, you become a citizen of the kingdom of God first and foremost. Wherever you live and whatever other government you have over you, God is your king and you are the people of God. Peter is going global in the cosmic consequences of Jesus' resurrection. The role of the church is to witness to the resurrection and to us and others. You see, from the very beginning of the Bible, God creates People, But he also creates up people for himself. From the beginning, God wants people to partner with him of their own free will to make the world wonderful and awesome. Sadly, again and again, people sin and reject God's rule and reign over their lives. Again and again, God calls people to himself, and it looks like a failed project. Abraham and his family follow for a little while, but his descendants fall away. God rescues his people out of Egypt and gives them a home of their own, but they start worshipping Poles and give up on God. It may have looked like God had abandoned his project of calling a people peculiar to himself, but Jesus shows us this isn't the case. By invoking King David and his throne, Peter is saying that God is still calling people to follow him. This time, however, God has sent his son into the world to be our king. But in our arrogance and selfishness and sin, we killed him. But God again didn't abandon his people or his chosen king. Instead, he raises King Jesus from the dead. And here are Peter, the 11 disciples and a small group of faithful female and male disciples who are ready to witness to the world that the kingdom of God is going global. Friends, the church doesn't exist for its own sake. In so many ways, for too long, we've believed that the church exists solely for its members. Like an industry superannuation fund, we've become so inwardly focused that we've forgotten God has brought us out of darkness, that we might be a light to the nations. God wants his people to radiate his light to the world, witnessing to how majestic and wonderful life is when it's lived in partnership with God. Having witnessed Jesus' resurrection and been filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter and the other disciples finally catch up with what God is doing. Jesus has risen from the grave and ascended to heaven, but he has not left the world without a witness to God's power and goodness. The temple was meant to be a place where people could meet with God and was meant to witness to God's wonder to the unbelieving world. But Jesus spoke about how his purposes about how this purpose of the temple had been corrupted and how his body is the true temple. Jesus said things like, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. He was talking about his body and his resurrection. But in Acts we see God doing something new. Jesus returns to rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords, but he promises that he will send his spirit As his spirit fills the disciples, they become walking, breathing, living temples themselves. While Jesus walked in our world, he was the place people could meet with God and know God personally. But here in the physical Jerusalem temple, Peter realizes this role and the role of the church as a breathing, walking, living temple of people connected to one another by God and whose role it is to be like a city on a hill, radiating God's light to the world. Friends, could it be that in this moment in history, God is calling us to be his temples, witnessing to each other and to the world that Jesus is alive and he's still working out his redemptive purposes. Every Sunday we gather as the people of God and then God scatters his little temples of the Holy Spirit across our town, our nation and our world so that we might witness to the reality that Jesus is alive, a witness that people need to hear. Peter stands in front of this hostile crowd of people. He tells them they are sinners who killed God's one and only son, and then gives himself and the tiny worldwide Christian church of only a handful of flimsy followers as proof that Jesus is alive. Yesterday, my wife Zoe celebrated her first wedding, and um, it was of her friend um, and her fiance. And I thought about it a little bit, little while and I thought, well, how could I prove to someone that these two people love each other? I could show their bank statements or I could um, show pictures of them or I could tell you stories about how much they love one another. But most profoundly, I could take you to their wedding and I could show you how committed they are to love one another, that they're promising their whole lives to each other. And friends, it's the same with the church. If you want to show people that Jesus is alive, you can give them all the apologetic proofs in the world. There is so much historical, archaeological and social evidence that Jesus is alive. But if you want to give them absolute evidence, living evidence that Jesus is alive, Take them to his church. Take them to Jesus' church and they will see what faith looks like with legs on. You and I are living testament that Peter's speech worked well and so so well that on the other side of the world, 2,000 years later, people are witnessing to the resurrection of Jesus as the most important reality in our lives. Friends, we meet as a church every Sunday to remind one another that Jesus is alive and this changes everything. But every Sunday, we go out as a community of people to witness to the world that Jesus is alive. We do this by treating people with kindness and humility in the shops. We do this by working diligently at our jobs. We do this by treating our families with kindness and love. We do this in a myriad of ways, but primarily, we do this by telling people in any way they will hear the news that Jesus is alive and that thanks to him, we no longer face hell and judgment, but instead enjoy a totally unadulterated relationship with the one true God. So friends, let's take back Sunday. We have a window of time that is soon closing, after which our lives will probably go go back to being crazy busy and Sunday sports, shopping, parties and holidays will all go back to normal. I encourage you to spend the time you have left figuring out what your church family means to you and how you can be a better witness to your brothers and sisters in Christ and how you can be a better witness to the world. If you're not yet a Christian and you're listening to this because you're interested in Jesus or because you've got nothing better to do, I want to encourage you to think about whether Jesus is for you. Perhaps God is calling you to join his church family. Perhaps God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit and make you a temple, witnessing to the world that Jesus is alive. Whoever you are and whatever you're doing, I pray that you may one day know Jesus and make him known, that you might join God's worldwide church and take back Sunday. Amen.